And our first reading this evening is taken from Luke's Gospel. And if you're using the chairs, or the Bibles under your chairs, you can find that on page 1051. So we're in chapter 18, beginning at the first verse. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And for our second reading, we'll turn over to Colossians chapter 4. And this is on page 1184 of the Church Bible beginning at the second verse. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do you have a seat? Good evening. My name's David. Uh, I work here uh, at St. John's, and uh, it's great to be with you this evening. Welcome, especially if you're new. Um, if you like to take notes uh, during a talk, then there's this little sheet, some space on uh, for scribblings. And uh, we're going to be back in Colossians 4, so do turn back to Colossians 4 if you've closed your Bible. And uh, I've got page 1185. Let me pray and ask for God's help as we uh, try to think about how these verses um, uh, help us with life. Father, we thank you for the chance to gather around your word now. We ask that... Uh, as we consider these verses, that we would be helped to hear your voice. Um, Thank you that that is the promise, that when your word is taught, uh, your voice will be heard. Um, Please, would you help us to hear your voice and to be changed so that we might live for Jesus so that we might share his good news. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, we have been going through the letter of Colossians, and in this closing section, uh, Paul is uh, on the topic of evangelism. And I think that's my my first slide up here. Um, Evangelism. Um, I've described evangelism here as living for Jesus and sharing his good news. So for uh, these uh, Christians in 
Colossae, where Paul the Apostle was writing. They were a young church, newly converted, and he's been laying out what it means to, first of all, come to faith in Jesus, to follow him as their Lord, and then to live for him uh, day by day. This mission statement, living for Jesus, sharing his good news, if you recognize that, that's good because it's on our church website. It's part of our church mission. What we think we should be aiming to do day by day as those who today uh, trust in Jesus, who live with them as Lord. Now, um, when we got onto the topic of evangelism and, and sharing good news, our minds often immediately go, I think, as Christians, to speaking to friends or even strangers and to doing the work of persuading them with words to put their trust in Jesus, that Jesus is worthy of their commitment. And it's a daunting thing. Okay? Let's see how that... Yep, that's... There we go. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a slide to capture the sense that maybe many of us have when we start to think about sharing the good news about Jesus with those around us. Sort of apprehension, fear, confusion, panic. Um, it's a daunting prospect. It often feels... Like, uh, it's something that we know we've got to do, but we don't really want to do it. It's a little bit sort of on a par with going to the dentist when we've got a bad tooth. We know we've got to do it, but we don't really, we're not always convinced that we want to do it. We just feel and fear that it's going to be a lot of pain. Uh, that's often how believers, Christians feel. We may feel I, I, this because we think, I've got nothing to say, or what if I get it wrong and the words come out in a jumble? What if it, people just, it may be that we just think people around about us, they're just not interested. It's just, it's not something people want to know about. We may just feel it'll just be weird. And um, we may feel that it, to do with our personality, actually I'm quite introverted. And I can just not imagine doing that, talking about faith in Jesus with another person. I think it's also worth noting that uh, this activity has potential to be not nice for our friends and those we're trying to talk to. Because, if you think about it, none of our friends really want to be preached at. They're not really looking to be bashed over the head with a Bible. To take an old phrase from my childhood, to be Bible bashed. They don't want to feel that um, every conversation is suddenly turned back to Jesus. What did you think about the match on Saturday? Let me tell you about Jesus. How can we make evangelism and sharing the good news about Jesus nice for everyone involved? For, for those of us who are trusting Jesus 
And for those who we want to, to talk to and share the good news with, how can we make this nicer for all concerned? In this letter, and at this stage of the letter, the Apostle Paul, the older Christian, is telling this church of young Christians how they can be part of what God is doing worldwide. He's hinted at various points in the letter that something is happening worldwide. The gospel, the message about Jesus, is bearing fruit in many places. And the surprise as we go along is that he doesn't actually really say at any point, go and talk to people. Okay? He doesn't actually say that is what you must do. It's, it's hinted at at the very end of our passage in verse 6. But even there, it comes after a whole load of other things. And, and it's actually said so that you can answer people about their questions. So I want us to be surprised here by the focus that Paul has so that we can be helped. So that it can be nicer for us, nicer for others. Here's the first point. Only God can bring people to faith in Jesus. So pray. Verses 2 to 4. Only God can bring people to faith in Jesus. So pray. So straight away, Paul puts the focus on to God. He wants these young Christians to know that they need to, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Verse 3, pray for us. Verse 4, pray. So here is his encouragement. How these young Christians in, Coloss in Coloss Colossae um, are to be partners in God's great work. He says, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer. Another translation says, continue steadfastly. This is going to be hard work. Praying. It requires time and it is a worthy priority, he tells them. He says, being watchful, being alert, understanding what is going on in the world, and that this is an act of faith, as we saw in our other, other reading, Jesus says, when he returns, will he find Christians praying? And then thirdly, he says, being thankful. Thankful for what? Well, in summary, these uh, believers that he's writing to, they have been given, uh, they are to be thankful for life, but they are also to be thankful for new life. That is what He's been telling them they now have because of Jesus. So the letter starts, if you just flick back, we do the quickest of recaps to chapter 1. We find out a bit about how they started with Jesus. So in chapter 1 and verse 6, just back a page or so to the start of the letter, Paul says he's been praying for them and he says, middle of verse 6, in the same way the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace, God's kindness. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf 
and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So, Paul recounts, Paul has never met them. He chooses to write to them because he's been appointed by Jesus as an apostle, a leader in the church. They heard the message through someone called Epaphras, who just showed up. And this is right at the start of, of churches and Christianity. This is, this is a church in Gentile territory. And so, um, this is, you know, they can't go on the internet and search this out. Something has suddenly changed for these guys. One day they hadn't heard about Jesus. Jesus was of no importance to them. And then they heard the message. It was taught to them. They listened. They learned. And their lives were turned around. I wonder if some people here can remember that time when Jesus was just not anything to you. But there's been a transformation. And now you want to live with him as Lord. You want to trust him as your rescuer. And so, in terms of thankfulness, Paul goes on in this opening section and he says, verse 12, um, that he gives joyful thanks to the Father because he has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. He, well, he is thankful because God qualifies people to be part of his kingdom. He, he is joyfully thankful because... He's talking about the God who rescues people from judgment and gives them forgiveness of their sins so that one day they can meet God without fear. And so here is what the Colossians, this should be the soundtrack, thankfulness should be the soundtrack to their prayers because of what God has done in giving them new life. It's all God's work. And that is what Paul then goes on to say in relation to getting them to pray for him. Did you see that back in our verses? So very quickly after telling them to devote themselves to prayer, he says, verse 3, back in chapter 4, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Can you, you see what, what Paul is saying? He's saying, we need God to open a door with people for the message to be received. Only God can do that. That is God's work. So pray for us. And, and, and at this moment, Paul is actually in a prison cell with, in chains, and the door that he wants to be opened is not the prison door, but an opportunity in that cell. Now, he's probably chained to a Roman guard or someone else. But he understands that even although he's beside that person all the time, unless those prayers are answered and God opens a door for the message, then nothing will happen. Nothing will change. Because he knows that only God 
can bring someone to faith. The other part of his prayer is, pray that we would proclaim it clearly, that we would explain about Jesus clearly. Again, he knows that he needs God's help to do that. It's all God's work. Only God can bring people to faith in Jesus. So, Colossian believers, believers today, we must pray. Um, my son, Henry, three, is a big fan of Lego. And back in the day, I was too. And uh, I'm recapturing that now. And uh, we often make Lego together. He'll say, he'll say Dad, let's, let's build something. Let's do something. And, uh, and, and so we have fun building, building lots. And I've got a picture of something that, that, that we built. We worked on together. Here's one we did. Just have a look at that. Was expecting like at least you know a bit some light applause, um, because because I say we, but that was pretty much me. Okay, this is a few months ago. Henry was definitely in the room for the first ten minutes anyway. Okay, we were doing it together. He said, "Let's build something," and then I built it. Okay. He just asked, but it was 100% me. Next slide, please. We'll see. We'll see. It actually breaks down into three parts. <laughs> this is so cool. And I'm getting far too excited about this. Okay? So, it's got a jet that goes off to explore. It's got a moon rover, the little one. And then it's got a tank buster, which is fully tooled up with weapons. Anyway, as I say, Henry was there for the first 10 minutes. That was all my work. 100% my work. Henry knows that. That's why he comes and asks me to help. We need to understand that only God can bring people to faith. It is 100% his work. And when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to living for Jesus, sharing his good news, we have to be humble enough to understand that to participate in that, we need to be ready to pray for those around us. And often it doesn't happen because either it's not our priority or we've maybe not been humbled enough. Paul doesn't beat them up here all the way through letter. He talks about how he is praying for them. He models it to them and then he invites them into this work and says to them, and this is my summary. You won't find it completely in the verses. But he wants them to be partners, not passengers, in this work of sharing the good news about Jesus. Just a couple of things in terms of ways we could apply this. It says be devoted. I think that means that we need to plan to do this, to be praying when it's going to happen in the, in the day, what we're going to be able to do and not do each day to make this happen, to take time. I think it means it might be that we have a list of something to work on and as part of that list we might have, as well as the things that we're praying for for ourselves and others around about us, that we, 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 we pray for those that we know are looking to proclaim the message of Jesus. Those perhaps who have asked us, or, or those who are in full-time ministry, for our preachers, for uh, evangelists we know, for those in mission. Uh, 
Um, I think whether we are uh, experiencing this, whether we're going well with this, whether we're struggling, looking to start or looking to restart, one of the things that will help the most is to pray with others and to have a prayer partner or be praying by attending your group or come to the prayer meeting here at church. I think it was probably when I was 17 or 18, some of us here are that young, um, that I remember first going to our church prayer meeting. I didn't ever pray out loud much at that meeting, but being alongside older Christians and other Christians, it was a great privilege, and I think it was one of the biggest helps to my prayer life personally. And I think it's often said that prayer is better caught than taught. But as we sit alongside others, it is something that we grow to understand and learn and pray. Devote yourselves to prayer. Only God can bring others to faith in Jesus, so pray. Secondly, and a bit more briefly, Paul is trying to help us in evangelism. He doesn't say straight away, go and talk to people. He says, talk to God, pray. And then secondly, he puts the focus on how we live. How we live. And so our second heading, um, live winsomely so people ask questions. This is the next stage of making things nicer. Taking the pressure off having a conversation at every turn. And verses 5 and 6 show that this is to be all of our life. So verse 5 says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So that word winsomely sort of describes what we want to achieve. We want to win some opportunity. We want to win some people. We want to win a hearing by the way we live so that people will want to know more about our Christian faith. So that our life, our character, our behavior will be raising questions for people. We have to have both. Because if we don't eventually get to words and conversation, they might just think we're nice people. Or they might just think we're weird because of all the things we choose to miss out on. Paul puts these two things together, but his emphasis here is, is watch your life. Watch your words. And we know how this works, don't we? We know that, that people around about us, if they know we're Christians, they're very quick to pick up with any, on anything that is sort of doesn't fit with what they expect from a Christian. So a friend of mine related recently about um, teaching at a school for a few years, and on one night at a drinks chatting to someone in the department and somehow it just turned around to um, my friend being t- told um, you're a bit of a gossip. 
that you're a Christian. Felt terrible. Convicted. Because they knew that actually they had been guilty of gossip. And that had been noted. Or a person in the workplace who, who was just slowly taking more time each lunch to get back to work. Because they thought, nobody notices. And actually I'm a bit quiet. And then someone had a word. And again, there's going to be a connection. Is that what a Christian's like? We know how this works. You see, we should be aiming to live lives that are distinct and winsome, that should stand out from those round about us. Um, we should be at least as good as all the good people round about. And with God's help, we should be better in lots of ways, in our character and in our words. With his help. You see, the temptation might be to blend in with those around about us, but then people won't think we've got any message, we're just the same. And if we get it wrong the other way and we're obnoxious, they won't listen to our words, they won't want to know. But what they will be taken by is integrity and authenticity when we see that in our lifestyle with God's help, consistent living alongside. I think I can only give you one story from however many years of trying to do this, I don't know, 20, 30 years, where I got an email a few years ago from a guy that I used to play sport with in a team volleyball team year after year and uh, he, he wrote this email just landed out of the blue and uh, he related about how he always knew I was a Christian um, we never had a big conversation about faith but it turned out that most of that time he was masquerading as a Christian and just being a churchgoer and he wrote to thank me and say that something had stuck and God had used something all those years. And that was incredibly humbling. And it's part of showing us how God works when we don't even know it. But being alongside and being consistent. With God's help, the way we respond to adversity, to disappointment in the workplace, to being messed around in the workplace, being a faithful and loving and kind neighbor. All the things that, that people look for and that we, we, we see in our friends round about us, but, but as Christians, we want to be that as well so that it will lead to questions in people's mind. I suddenly feel that I'm putting it back all on us but of course, these are things to pray and ask God for help with. We, we must go full circle and finish there and, and, and say that, that for this to happen, for this to happen, we need God to work in us. And we need to pray and ask Him to do that. So let's pray.
Father, please, would you uh, help us um, to uh, grow in humility and uh, to know that everything we have uh, has come from you, um, that if we are trusting in Jesus, uh, that is because of your grace and your work in us. And uh, you're the one to whom thanks should go. And we pray, please, that you would help us to understand more um, about these things and with your help to be growing uh, so that we are winsome in the way that we live, so that we will be helping those round about us and alongside us to understand more about Jesus, why, why he matters so much. In his name we pray and for his glory. Amen.